0: Frank, I wanted to start this week off a little bit different than we ever have on Merge Conflict, which is I wanted to do a follow-up to last week's episode.
1: Already? Wow. This is uh, yeah. this is pretty interesting. I can't wait. What did we talk about that deserves follow-up?
0: <laughs> yeah, so if you remember from last week, we talked even yet again about machine learning and cognitive services and vision and, and things. And someone had challenged you to see if you could create hot dog or not within like a day. And we ended up talking about all these new services, kind of machine learning and vision as a service that developers could take advantage of and how one would go about it. And then I got a very interesting message from you about two hours after we recorded that said, finish the app. And I wanted to ask you, one, obviously, did you finish the app? Were you happy with the app? And what went into the obviously hours that followed the (laughs) podcast?
1: Uh, Yeah, so this is funny because we we were talking about this and I actually was really excited about this Microsoft service because up till now it was kind of a pain in the butt to train networks. And so we recorded the podcast. And the whole time, um, we're just talking about how easy it is, basically, to to write this kind of app. And so I thought, well, if it's so easy, let's see if I can actually do it. And so yeah, I was a little inspired by our own podcast. And I dove into it. Um, It ended up being pretty much as easy as we thought it was going to be. What took the most time was just collecting images. And I kind of already knew that it takes forever to do that. But then uh, training the network, writing the app, it all happened really fast. And it worked on the first time, first time through. So I sent you that image and I said, I'm done.
0: And 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 when you wrote that, I think that you, uh, did you write it originally in Swift or in C Sharp? Or how did you go about, I guess, getting this machine learning uh, Core ML model <laughs> out and then actually applying it to code?
1: Yeah. So, uh, okay, you caught me. I actually cheated. Um, I had already written a little image recognition mission app in Swift. Actually, it was just a copy of Apple's own demo, and I just uh, changed that around to execute my model instead of theirs. Uh, nice and simple. But then I recreated the experiment because I ended up writing a blog entry this week. I don't write many blog entries. We should do a podcast about that. But I thought it was uh, interesting enough. Um, a, A, how easy all this was. Plus B, how effective it was. Um, just being able to train something like this so quickly. And so uh, I rewrote it in Xamarin. And it ended up being just 100 lines of code. So I was pretty proud of it and very happy. And I still was able to write the blog post and write the code in two hours. So I still think it's a two hour project.
0: That was pretty impressive, and then you rewrote the entire app from Swift into C sharp with Xamarin. It, I mean, looking at this blog post, everything is in C sharp, which makes me a happy camper. And there's source code on <laughs> GitHub.
1: Yeah, and I actually didn't even translate it. I didn't like how the Swift one works, so I just wrote it from scratch the way I thought it should work. <laughs> yeah. Now
0: yeah. it says it, it says it used ARKit, and why did you use ARKit?
1: <laughs> oh, I know it's funny, right? Um, Honestly, it's just a really quick cheat to getting the camera preview on screen. I've written a lot of camera apps in the past, and it usually requires 20, 30, 40 lines of code to get a nice live preview of the camera on the screen. But if you use ARKit, then it's like four or five lines of code, and it just runs beautifully. And so it's just a quick cheat for putting a camera preview on the screen.
0: Nice. I like that. That's cool. I'm I'm going to try to I'm going to try to demo this off, I think, and see if I can get it uh, all fancy on one of my machines over the weekend to to show it off, uh, which would be pretty cool. I I love it, and it's cool. I'm going to link to the not only source code but to the blog post that you wrote because, yeah, you don't write a lot of blog posts, and this is a (laughs) well-written blog post if you're into – More. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really cool. And uh, I'm excited to go take all this. I think you're going to share all the hot dog photos with me so I can recreate this. So I'm pretty excited.
1: (laughs) Um, And I tried to make the blog post more like a tutorial. So if you want to write this kind of app, just follow step by step by step and you'll have one yourself pretty quickly.
0: Got it. So last thing, was there any catch-ups? Was there any hold-ups? Was there any hiccups in it? Did it all just go kind of smoothly like you expected? And was that a surprise?
1: Oh, it went smoothly. That's the scary part, right? You, you should always have doubts when that happens. Like, um, I remember wondering because I was using AR kit to get the uh, frames from the camera, but I wasn't sure if those frames were going to be compatible with the Visions framework. Anyone who's done mobile programming knows there's about a million image formats on the device, like in-memory formats. And getting those all to match up—you've written this kind of code before. It's terrible, but thankfully all the APIs worked. Um, especially because I used high-level A- APIs: ARKit, Vision, Core ML, and Microsoft's thingy. So it just—it just worked. Weird, huh?
0: Yeah, that's that's super awesome. I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna download this, get this working, and hot dog it all up, which is uh, or not or not. Tr-
1: try some different da- training data. It- it's surprising uh, how much fun you can have with this thing.
0: <laughs> so I figure now that we've done a little follow up, um, we had a- another uh, another one of our listeners write in. Well, one that's uh, a frequent to merge conflict loose uh, who wrote in and actually. Actually, it was a really interesting topic that she wanted to discuss about because she's attending a hackathon in a few weeks um, where they're going to be working on projects. And If you've gone to a hackathon, there's not a lot of time. And she was interesting in how we go about approaching um, kind of project management a little bit in a way, Ooh, but more of planning yeah. and tasks and things like that.
1: OK, so we're going to be project managers this week. This is going to be interesting since I'm a terrible product manager, but we'll try.
0: Well, I, my, in my title, it is program manager, which is not oh, quite right. a product manager, <sighs> but I will What's say that? Frank, I'm a big <laughs> fan of, so I, okay. So here's a little bit of history for you, Frank. I'm going sh- to give you my background on spiel of my background here. Okay. So when I worked at Canon for a long time, we had product managers and things like that. We were all waterfall. So mm-hmm. with, what, what that means is essentially we would just do development work for like six months, and then when we're done with all of that development, we just kind of throw it over to our testers and say, hey, here you go, have fun with that. And then for <laughs> the, the worst next kind six of
1: waterfall, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: But- yeah, literally just throw it over and then that's it. And then for the next six months, they would test it. You would fix bugs and then you would do it all over again. But I went through we try to change to be more agile, I went through scrum training and all this stuff. And what I kind of seen this evolve into is kind of uh well essentially lane management is what i call it now where everything (laughs) is some sort of trello sticky note lane and Uh, in fact if you look if i turn to my right i have a i have a wall and i have sticky notes for my life
1: wow isn't this is this kanban or are they different things these are the same thing right having these sticky boards of tasks and the task moves from column to column and each column is a different level of progress mm-hmm. and it gives you a visual indication of your progress i guess that that's yes. the general idea right so yeah. you, you so this- live your life by this thing <laughs>
0: So there's, I have like a, I have a few lanes of personal and then where it's more work tasks. So I used to try to manage everything on one Google keep, which got very disorganized. So what's nice about this yeah. is I have a to do, I have like a, I have a, a, a personal blog. So like personal tasks that I want to do in my side, then I have work to do's in progress and done. So I can move those things across. And then at the end of the week, I can clear it out and I can see what all I officially accomplished. That's of yeah. course, working if I'm at home. Because it's literally physical pieces of paper, mm-hmm. but I, I want to say like the the pass of what I learned is I like to have when I do my my product management of when I'm creating an application or I'm, I'm looking at all of my um, my, my open source libraries that are out there, I essentially think of every single issue or idea as breaking it into small tasks that I can then move across to say, I'm now working on this. This is in this branch. This is going to be published then. And then this is when I finished it. So at least trying to keep my brain sane. And I don't really know if that's project management at all, but that is how I, I go about breaking down my day to day and my week which probably is not what Luce asked at all. Um, but I just want to give some frame of where my my evolution of this Kanban board type thing goes through. And I think I've been using now some sort of Trello or Kanban board or VSTS or sticky notes for the last <laughs> seven years,
1: I guess. <laughs> wow, but, um, okay, yeah, awesome.
0: Um, but maybe I've gone too far down the rabbit hole of, of what I do. But I wanted to give some context. I don't know, what if maybe... Now that that's my context, what's your context when we before we actually talk about our day-to-day yeah. of how we actually do stuff?
1: Uh, I guess I'm similar to you. I have to say um, I'm one of those people that made it through college somehow without ever being organized. And I don't know how I managed it, but somehow I got through all my classes. But I would, you know, routinely have that nightmare where you think you forgot a class and then you're like, Oh God, the finals the next day. So that, that, that was my introduction. But then uh, fresh out of college, I read the book. Um, <laughs> what's it called? Getting things done? Whatever the, the, the GTD system of how to get organized. And so I tried that for a few years. And eventually I fell out of it because I can't do anything overly organized for more than a year. But what I did keep from it was this idea of lists. Um, Just to-do lists, nothing special. And I basically live everything that's important that actually has to get done gets added to a list of some sort. It's either an electronic list or a paper list I keep, you know, around the apartment or something like that. And I just slowly check things off. Um, I'm not a Kanban person. I don't have columns on my lists. You know, it's either done or it hasn't been done. Uh, but that's fine because um, my lists are like the GTD lists where they're all action items. They're not like projects. It's not like, you know, make this app. It's open <laughs> open, Xamarin Studio and start typing a main function. You know, it's it's a literal task to accomplish. So it's but kind of uh, your
0: day-to-day task list of things. It's not really product management. Just like me, I literally have a sticky note that says merge conflict. And that yeah, is... It says record and edit and publish, right? So those should be yeah. three tasks, but it's one thing that I'm about to do all at once.
1: Well, sublists are good for that, I guess. It would be the, the, the checklist of things that you have to accomplish. I, I like the Kanban system of moving things around, but I just haven't needed that complexity before. I think we've actually talked about this before, where... Um, I like those systems, but I, I worry sometimes that I'll, I spend too much time enjoying the system and getting organized and getting the little serotonin drip of moving things around in columns and making progress that way. And so I like to keep myself in check by saying, no, it's either done or it's not done in general. Uh, that's not to say when you're working on a team, maybe a little more transparency is important.
0: Yeah, you can easily get over, over project, over projected, yeah. if you will, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so let's talk about a project, right? So you go into a new application. I, I would say this is the thing. So if Luce is like, hey, I'm about to go into this hackathon, which means you're about to come up with the next great app idea, and you're about to go from zero to app, what does yeah. that look like for Frank Kruger?
1: This, uh, I don't know if I'm like you, but a, a lot of this happens in my head. I, I used to try to diagram apps, but I'll say that I start at a super high level. And by that, I mean, I usually start at the user interface, and not exactly what do I want this app to look like, but what screens will be in the app and what can people accomplish in each screen. And through that, coming up with kind of a feature set of the app. But I really do start with the UI first. Do you do that? I, I'm, I'm curious. Or do you think feature first or do you think UI first? Because it's a little mix for me. Sometimes it's feature first, sometimes UI.
0: That's a good question. I mean, usually the features that I'm doing are a per page basis. So I I don't think I necessarily map out the user interface first. I think I I usually come up with the features and then say, design this page, design that page uh, in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So
1: start with the problem that you're trying to solve, or you start with the entertainment you're trying to provide, all that kind of stuff, I guess.
0: I would say that the, the... I usually start with the problem, right? So my problem is I want to be able to check in people at meetup groups. Like that's a feature of my application. Okay. So now what do I have to do under that? Well, I have to create, uh, I have to have a login so I have to authenticate. I have to have a service to get the groups that I'm in. I have to then have a, another page. So that was kind of page based, right? But it's kind of like the next thing is, okay, now I need to have a list of events. And when I tap on one this this is going to have these features, right? So um, the feature is to check people in and out. And then the sub features are, I should be able to add a person to it. I should be able to check them in, check them out. I should be able to remove people. If I added people, I should be able to work offline, for instance. And then that has sub features underneath it. So I think I start looking at that high level and then I organize them in there. So what are the prerequisites? So I can't do the check-in page before I have... The authentication, and I can't have this or that, or at least a mockable interface, I would say, would be the first thing I would... Yeah,
1: that all sounds rational. The only reason I was mentioning UI first versus feature first is... I always go back to iCircuit, and I think about how are people actually going to be able to put circuits onto this tiny screen or this funny device without a keyboard and all that? How are they going to interact with the circuit? What's it going to feel like when they do this? How easy is it going to be to edit this and that? And that's why... What you described is perfectly fine, but I think it's also valid to start with the UI. <clears throat> and obviously you can't build the UI without thinking of what features you're going to implement. So they go hand in hand. But a lot of my apps, and I think my better apps are ones where I think about the UI first and start there. Yeah, and I think, but,
0: yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think I think do think about the UI, but then at the same time, it's the features of the app. And I think now as I've progressed on, Some of the first things that I actually do are set up continuous integration, get my certs set up, get my,
1: <laughs> I don't know, it's okay, kind of, that,
0: it's kind of the non-app It's kind of the <laughs> yeah. non things that I want to do okay. first. It's like, okay, uh, I'm going to make sure I do this, this, and this. You're like
1: those Docker programmers that spend all their time doing Docker instead of writing the web app. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, no, let's stick with features. Let's ignore the CI stuffer for, for the moment. But I completely agree with what you said before. I start with high-level features. 100% you have to because you have to get the whole picture of the app in your head. When I first started writing apps, I was even more rigorous than this. Um, I was from the Joel Spolsky School of Design, and that is you write a design document in the beginning. And the design document is basically from the user's perspective. And so even if I don't write this document, I start there and think from the user's perspective, what am I accomplishing with this app? And then I do like you did. Okay, break it down into a page. Okay, this page is gonna need this data. It's gonna have to access that. But that step comes much later as I'm working on each section. In the very beginning, when I first start the app, I really am just very broad. (laughs) I don't break it down in the very beginning. Are you you good at breaking it down up front?
0: Um, I don't want to over break things down because I feel as though the user interface is going to change a lot. So a lot of what I attempt to break down is core functionality. So even though maybe I'll break down feature or feature page by page, actually creating the page isn't very important in the beginning because i think as though those become uh those become additional implementation after i create the feature so i have a of a, a page to check people in so i am going to display a list of data it's not even going to have pull to refresh it's not going to be stylized cells there you're going to have a really like, I think I started and I just changed the color of the cell based on if the person was checked in or not. It wasn't like a nice, nice checkbox. Yeah. It didn't have the numbers, sure. you know, yeah. on it. I was just like, let me just get the core functionality down. So that becomes the the core of it, just the, the actual logic of it. And I don't think I break it down any further of that. And I just kind of start coding because I think if I think of that feature, it would be like, okay, well, I need to create the database and the table and and this stuff, I just kind of say, to go implement this feature, go.
1: Yeah. And in general, that's pretty safe if you have the overall feature set of the app in your head or written down somewhere. You don't want to start implementing the database before you thought through synchronization or something like that. If you're synchronizing, you're really at the mercy of the API that you're using and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So those things have to dictate it. And you often don't find them until you're programming. So just like you, yeah, I dive into the programming pretty early, especially because um, I like to write demos of my app, I call them. (laughs) Um, It's basically the quickest version I can possibly do that has the broadest feature set possible. And I feel like only once I've written that can I actually plan the project more thoroughly.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think that that makes sense in general to kind of have a core overarching idea of it. And I think as I've started to do a little bit more project management. So I work, you know, you and I both work on the live player, obviously, um, and Xamarin Live features. So there's, I've actually been writing more specification documents, which is funny that you mentioned that because when I started at Canon, We wrote these huge, like 20-page specification down Mm -hmm. to the design, to the pixel, to the placement, to the wording that we would go implement. And what I've been doing now is saying, even in the product of Xamarin, so if you look at what I do on a day-to-day basis here at Microsoft, is I look for the problem. So I say, this is the problem that we should solve. Here's the problem. Here's why it's the problem. Here is the solution. And here is my recommendation for implementing it. So a good example of that may be, hey, uh, it's hard to get started um, or, or, or the experience for creating new Android projects in Visual Studio isn't delightful. And the the mm-hmm. reason why it's not delightful is because they're older templates, <laughs> they don't use App Compat, and they're missing yeah. the new paradigms in the last year. So the solution here is then to um, introduce new, templates that do X, Y, Z, and then here is a sample of how to do it, or here is what they should be specifically. That way the developer can say, okay, now I know what James, what the reason is like, why are we even doing this feature? Why are we changing these templates? Why are we even doing this check-in? Why is it important to show the number of people that checked in for the event um, mm-hmm. on here, you know? So I think that's kind of how I've started to break down more and more, because the problem is, and I don't know if it's for you, but if you're just like, hey, I want this idea, and then you say, okay, go build the feature of checking in people, then your brain may say, okay, I know how to do that, (laughs) how I want it to work, and then you may start architecting and going all crazy if you don't try to prototype it first
1: yeah and well you can save yourself that prototype if you do that exercise he just mentioned of uh, tackling it from uh, a task-based set what are they actually trying to accomplish create a new file you know edit a file that kind of stuff
0: yeah (laughs) to me it's hard in a new project right because that's an existing project and then in an in an In a new project, it gets hard because how do you even organize those things? Are you organizing it based on what features I want, what the end user is by difficulty? How do those even get sorted, I think, is one of the biggest complications when I start a new project, uh, especially in a hackathon. It's like, all right, who's going to do X, Y, Z? Why don't get (laughs) caught up on authentication first, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Mock authentication in the beginning. Don't authenticate in the beginning, for sure. Um, I I like to start, um, <laughs> well, I'll I'll break up my app only when I actually run into um, an actual issue. So let's say I'm writing a Git feature for my IDE or something like that. You know, the Git feature could be a whole app to itself. It already is a whole app to itself. But so instead of saying, I'm just going to write a Git feature, I actually try to say, OK, I'm going to let people check out their code. I'm going to let them commit. I'm going to let them branch Maybe I'll let them diff. We'll we'll decide if I'm going to let them diff later. And then I could basically break those up into milestones. Um, I'm kind of a fan of having uh, basically a fully functioning app at all times. Um, I, like I said, I like to go broad in the beginning, and actually all through development. And so I'll pick a feature like Git, and pick the most important parts of it and get that out for a milestone one, then do a milestone two milestone three. And I do these for myself, just so I feel like the app is pretty much always in a shippable state, you know, N- nothing's fully missing, it may not be a useful app, but it's shippable in general.
0: Yeah, I like that. I I like the idea of maybe even scaffolding out the entire navigation hierarchy of just having buttons that you can click through because it makes it so important. I was just working on this um, in my spare time. So this Microsoft MVP app and I go, okay, well, how are we going to structure the back navigation, the login flow? What is the base navigation? All right, let's is it going to be modal or push and let's let's Mm -hmm. get that infrastructure in because. If I can start <laughs> mapping out and seeing and visualizing the app flow in my mind, then I can actually start implementing those pages.
1: Yeah. And you can start improving it from the beginning. We all know like the, the less code that you've written, the easier it is to change. It, it sounds obvious, but you got to think about it. Like it becomes harder and harder to change your UI the longer you're into a project. And so you really want to get those big things done in the beginning. And the reason I keep mentioning UI is because it's the, it's the hardest part of these apps. Anyone can write a database access layer, a layer, and, uh, you know, uh, Restful writing, service call. writing logic code is pretty simple, right? I mean, it's not rocket science here. So writing a good app, though, which means a good UI, is more difficult.
0: I like how you set that up for our first sponsor of this episode, too, Frank, <laughs> which is great, because when you talk about UI... You know who we're going to talk about, our good friends sponsoring yet again Merge Conflict. It's Syncfusion. You know Syncfusion, Frank.
1: Oh, I love Syncfusion. And I love all their controls.
0: Yes, that's right. Syncfusion is every single control that you could possibly want (laughs) and imagine in a beautiful toolkit that you can get your hands on for any single platform out there. They essentially make the largest set of tools for not only just Xamarin, but ASP.NET, UWP, Android, iOS, JavaScript on the entire market. And they ensure that their components are designed elegantly for each platform with the highest performance. And what I love about Syncfusion and Essential Studio for obviously Xamarin, but other platforms is that they have a free community edition that you can get your hands on today. And they've been adding all sorts of new controls um, in there. I'm going to link to this What's New page because they have brand new pickers and radial menus and a brand new PDF viewer where you can actually uh, t- do uh, ca- uh, text selection and copying right from the PDF, but also they have these all these brand new ASP.NET Core controls and MVC controls and even web forms controls in addition to all their charts, graphs, and things that you know Syncfusion for already. And then, of course, if you outgrow the community edition and make more than like a million dollars a year, they have a flat rate annual fee that you can get your hands on. Um, and what's awesome is you can just get started right now by downloading their NuGet packages and get started with their um, you know, free edition uh, essentially of Syncfusion Essential Studios by going to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. That'll take you right into the page. You can learn all about the great Xamarin, UWP, iOS, and Android controls and just download and start trying out Essential Studio for not only just mobile, but desktop and web. Go to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. And thanks again to Syncfusion for supporting merge conflict.
1: Yeah especially uh, for writing that first UI and getting your app done just throw in every control they have because <laughs> <laughs> why, why go through the effort of <laughs> um, you know ha- hand molding pixel perfect UIs when you don't even know if the app is any good yet yeah. you know you, you got to get a UI down you got to get it functioning to find out yeah. so how do you how, how do you go along while you're working here's what happens to me so I come up with this uh, this app idea great. Break it down into general UI and start hacking at it from that perspective. As I'm going along, I'm breaking that down into smaller and smaller features. But then bugs creep up too, right? So, like, you know, um, do you check off a feature only after it's 100% bug-free, or do you just keep adding? Because I think what we all find is the list of issues just keeps getting bigger throughout a project. I've never seen it get smaller. Ever. Yeah.
0: I think So I think how I start up managing my projects now is I do it by version that I want to release. And I think that this is important because if you take a look at your entire application and you say, okay, well, there's 10 things that I want to implement. Well, what do you actually need? And what are you actually going to put in V1 of that product? And then... What's important, it's really hard to do. This is like one of the hardest things to do, I think in software development, which is essentially stop new doing new features to work on bugs, right? Because the <laughs> core idea of a yeah. developer is we wanna solve problems and we wanna work on new awesome stuff all the time. So if I have 10 features that like, and that's the thing is you you know the 10 features that you want to do, but you know, and yeah. you said, hey, for V1, <laughs> we're doing these five features. And while you're implementing those five features, five new awesome new features come to your mind that you could add to your app. So you put them on the backlog. Um, and then as you're working on this, no one wants to just fix bugs. So like, yeah, I'm just going to work on this new feature, work on this new feature. So I think what's important here that I do and that I've tried to manage in my A workflow or even inside of the live player and how we manage things is we have lanes set up for this is work for v1 and this work for v1. All the main features should be done before any new feature work for v2 happens. And if as we're validating those, if bugs come up, those always get prioritized over features for v2 that come into the the actual product. And I think that that's what's really important is to, it's hard to do. I think it's the hardest thing to do as a developer, or at least me, I'm not sure about you, is that not to work on those new awesome features that we know we want to put in there and have that discipline to say, we're going to stop and fix these bugs. And what bugs are acceptable to go into a V1? Yeah.
1: Um. So the milestones I was talking about naturally turn into versions after the product is released. I I pretty much do the exact same thing as you. Again, I think this is from Joel Spolsky, but it's, uh, you work on bugs before features. It's just the mindset you have to be into. Now, the only way I allow myself to escape that from time to time is sometimes I'll actually punt a bug up to a later version. So that's like, I'm not going to fix this bug in v1.1. That's uh, I'll fix it in v1.2. If I'm, if I desperately want to get a feature out for v1.1, and but that bug has to be, you know, non-critical. It has to be almost a feature by itself and i think that's that's okay
0: i think that's okay to do because i think it's unrealistic to say that i'm gonna i'm gonna create bug-free software right that's that's the (laughs) this first version is going to be completely bug-free and no one's gonna it won't know it won't be impossible yeah you have to say i've ran through my my first initial core functionality. And I know that these other things are there, but I've accomplished what I wanted. And what's the percentage of people that may run into this, right? So if, if it's, I, sorry, I always say that 80, 20, I think I've said it a thousand times on this podcast, but if 80% of my customers are going to be really happy, that's really good. It's probably more like a 98 eight two, but um, that I got to think about, but in general, I kind of always give that loose 80. So if I'm going to, by adding this feature or fixing this bug, 80% of my users um, will be impacted by it, I should do it. But if only 20, then that's a lower priority that I'm going to implement or put it to a next version.
1: Yeah, we all have to do this. And it actually does break my heart, honestly, to ship with bugs. But I also consider it a little bit of an accomplishment when I ship with a known set of bugs, and then people report those bugs. I'm like, yep, found it. And then it's when they report a bug that you didn't know about, that's when you actually get shocked. And those usually become the prize zero bugs because you've never encountered it before and you have to analyze it and figure all that stuff out.
0: Yeah, because a bug but- a bug that nobody finds it it's still a bug, yes, but it's a, it's a very, <laughs> it's, not really a bug. Yeah,
1: you can punt it for a while. Yeah, V1.2, yeah, 1.3, 1. 1. you know, yeah. well, I'll fix it eventually, I promise. <laughs> exactly. And
0: then you start putting in, like, tracking analytics to see, like, if this bug was actually hit and then, instead of just fixing the bug. Because sometimes <laughs> bugs are really hard. I think that's the other thing we haven't even talked about is the, I, I guess I would call it the weight of a bug, in, in that it's not just the priority, because let's say a bug crashes your application well that's really bad but if the bug but if
1: you have to hit hey, eight buttons in a certain sequence in order to get the crash then it's a little less bad so it's the frequency plus how bad it
0: is yeah it's like a little 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 math equation inside of your tracking software that you <laughs> use I guess to to do it
1: I so, let's talk about that. Um, in, in my list system, it does not provide for a priority, but I, I generally do prioritize, but it's more, it's a gut feel, prioritization. I'm not doing that, you know, I'm not doing any calculus and calca or anything like that to calculate these. I'm just prioritizing them myself. Uh, it, it's funny because in a milestone or in a version, you know you have to get through this list, but for some reason, I still like to prioritize and I don't know. It, it's not necessary because if you're going to get through the list, it doesn't really matter what order you do things in. But I still enjoy prioritizing. Do you bother?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm big on prioritization, I would uh, say. Okay. <laughs> I, I love to have the most important thing at the top of the list because this is the thing that I have to do next. And and Just that is for
1: guilt. Are you trying to build up guilt in your system? Is that the goal? <laughs> no, no, no,
0: because this has the most impact. So for me, it's really important that I fix and I do this in my plugins. If this is a really serious bug that multiple people are hitting and someone found I'm like that's really impacting core functionality. I'm gonna work on that first. And I put that at the very yeah. top of my list to actually do. And, it, and I don't actually assign numbers to it. I think that that's something I don't do in, in a lot of tools. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to say one, two, three, four, five, or right? I just literally drag and drop in a yeah. list to say if it's at the top of the list it's the most important thing in the list that I need to do so I love that
1: which is a number system we all just don't Mm want to do the numbers we just want to drag them up and down when I first started out I was you know I filled out the severity column the priority column you know all that stuff the impact column and no I just I've I've had to simplify ever since then I should say we, we keep talking about versions but this is all happening during the early development of the app too I play a real guilt game with myself where I'm still making myself fix bugs early on. And some of that is to prove out like my architecture and things like that. You know, the worst kind of bug is the one that you find is... Uh, endemic to the system that you've built you know hard hard to break because that's how it was designed and so i think if you fix bugs earlier no surprise to anyone else (laughs) you get better software just because you're not leaving all that stuff
0: it's those implications that it's not actually sometimes a bug it's an architecture design so if you look at twitter right i mean twitter now (laughs) talking about 280 characters or changing how replies work I don't know if it's architectural decisions of that initial 140 character limit on their tweets or what, but I assume that there's some architecture limits that they're like, no, these are the requirements is what I'm doing. They didn't look at
1: some future planning there, I guess no i mean in that case they just took it from sms i think yeah. i think that's where that limit came from and but we, we all do that too like um the api returns 10 results so my ui will show 10 results well no maybe it's better to just show the top two results you know things like that i think we fall into that trap a lot again ui first people broad ui first broad ui first
0: yeah and um yeah the-
1: and macau authentication because that's terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: And I think it's really different. I think, you know, you and I talking from experience, I don't know what you're talking from. Mostly mine is from majority of what I'm talking about is from a solo developer point of view, because mm-hmm. when I worked at Seton working on the mobile applications there, I was the only developer working on all the mobile apps. I had another developer <laughs> working on the back end, but we talked mm-hmm. very little. He just gave me the API Um, we were using soap soap rest. So he gave me the, the wisdom or whatever. And he would say, Hey, here's the API, you know, consume Mm -hmm. that. And then I I like that. sounds good. Mm -hmm. Just give me the restful (laughs) endpoint. And I hit it. Right. And that's give me the swagger definition and I'm good. And Mm -hmm. for me, um, I've, I've started to work a little bit more in teams in general, but even a lot of the same things apply there. I would say the prioritization is just now you have to make sure that the not only prioritization, but the prerequisites are done at the correct time because someone can't really start implementing this thing until this other thing is done. I think that's the only thing that really changes for me.
1: Yeah, from a product management standpoint, sure. Um, But I mean, you you run into that with your own apps too. Like I can't do the rename username screen until I implement authentication. So even as a single developer, you're running into it. The whole problem here is now you have to deal with communication (laughs) between people. And I think I haven't ever worked in very large teams. Even at Microsoft, my team was, you know, seven people. And so I I hope most people (laughs) in most places keep it about that size. But I find that my practices are still about the same. The only difference is I'm just more transparent. I'm updating the Kanban board. I'm putting comments in, you know, if you're working off a GitHub, you know, you just throw in a comment. I'm working on this now. Here's what I'm running into, or you have um, branches that people can inspect and things like that. So it's just being more visible in the case of like a hackathon or something. I don't know. You just scream across the room. It's like, I I need this. Well, it's not done yet. Work on something else.
0: Tell you so i've been so i've been i'll talk about some of the tools that i've been actually setting up for a hackathon that we're doing in a few weeks mm-hmm. here in seattle it's called okay. the seattle give camp so i'll kind of ramble here for kind of not only just tools i use but the tools that we're using because i got i kind of got mm-hmm. to set up everything which, Ooh, which was fancy. um we'll see how it goes i haven't finished we can
1: blame you yeah <laughs> we haven't finished <laughs> that all goes up. wrong
0: Yes, I haven't finished setting up everything, but we'll see how it goes. And I got some feedback from people. So the Seattle Give Camp is a we're doing a hackathon. We're creating like seven or eight different types of applications for seven or eight different nonprofits. So they come up with ideas. We go in, we assess them and then we um, go ahead and implement them. And so some of the tools that I picked in this decision were for. Uh, first and foremost were the ability to do this card system that we were just saying. So having source code somewhere, having a prioritization of list and requirements that we can assign and having V1, V2. So like, hey, this is Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever the hackathon days are. This is what we'd like to get done. And being able to assign things to people, add some comments on them. So issues essentially in GitHub, but then the ability to um communicate which i think is a big part of it so what we're using so what i use on my d- normal day-to-day basis is these sticky notes on my wall but we use okay you and me and some other mm-hmm. tools they all do the same thing we use Trello mm-hmm. i like Trello yeah um we yeah, are, I love Trello we're kind of moving off Trello because um we're migrating to more internal microsoft things so vsts which also has a kanban board so that's visual studio team services Okay. Um, but also, they have a tool at Microsoft called Planner, which is a standalone to-do list, and it gives you nice charts and graphs. It's very much just like Trello, um, mm-hmm. and those are all doing the same thing. But also, GitHub has a project, which does was, the same thing.
1: I was going to say, I was wondering if you were going to mention that one. I haven't actually tried GitHub projects, but I, so far, I'm a Trello fan just because I think their UI is good, and I'm I'm big on. The software has to be easy to use and fun to play with kind of stuff. So I haven't tried GitHub. I don't know how it ranks on the fun to use, but uh, it's funny that you mention it third or fourth even on the list.
0: I would say so yeah, the I would say that I would prioritize them as like a Trello first maybe planner and vsts second or third because vsts has is doing a lot more because adding the things is a little bit complicated i just want to add something where planner is very easy but it has a few extra yes. nice things mm, um okay and then github's a little bit last because they made it a little bit complicated because on the board they have notes but then also issues so i add a note then i have to convert it to an issue which is a little bit tedious oh
1: they didn't unify them i just assumed they were unified that's terrible they, they kept them in separate worlds
0: yeah they are and they aren't i guess because if you don't want it to be an issue i don't know i, I would like the, an option oh, just boy. to make them always an issue so i think those are the tools that i use for yeah. planning the nice thing about mm-hmm. github is that if we're working in a hackathon scenario with a bunch of people brand new everything is in one
1: place <laughs> yeah. so i i i like it but um you didn't mention my favorite software here clear <laughs> 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 which is which is a joke because it's really just a, a list app and is not at all applicable to this scenario because you can't share between things but i just had to put it out there because I, i'm still in love with the app even though no one works on it anymore
0: <laughs> yeah it's a it, it's i have clear i use clear for a long time on my my mac actually and i don't have an ios device but i know they synchronize and do stuff i use keep google keep a lot for that but i liked the the the, the sub list of a list or whatever i thought it was very elegant um in general um and the thing that's the thing is you just find whatever tool like you said it, you are more delighted about that work for you and your team and i know that like um mm-hmm. jira, there's like jira right and there's a whole bunch of other these different boards that are out there but i kind of look further past that in the project management part of it because as i start to plan out my project i look at all the tools so what we're using for communication, since this is a hackathon where there's going to be 50, 60 people in a room, but <laughs> all on different teams, we're going to use yeah. not Slack because Slack is cumbersome mm. to get people onboarded onto. We're going to use uh, discord.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Big so, fan of discord. Uh, that's what all the kids are using, right? Um, where did that discord, one come from?
0: Discord is a Slack slash Twitch slash, whatever voice video audio communication Mm -hmm. it has desktop apps it has a browser app yeah they're all the same the difference is that it's dropped it it's made for gaming so it also has gaming integrations that's what it's
1: actually for
0: (laughs) but what they did is they made it really really easy to create channels and servers yeah so you don't have a server they host the server so you can just i wanted a new seattle give camp server so i created one i said give me a new server done i said invite create a link that anyone can join and be here and then i'm going to create six or seven channels each for each app and then people can jump in and out of them super easy just easy
1: and i like that um this is the place where i don't have much experience being a single developer (laughs) yeah i feel like i should do a help wanted ad there um or some kind of wanted ad i haven't had to deal with chat clients but uh, from my past of using IRC and such, I just love how nice these new apps are. I love how easy, easily you were able to create that. And it's amazing that we're getting away with it for free, but yeah, the modern world. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think I think that's the crazy thing, right? Because you have not only, um, like I'm talking about Discord, you have Slack still, which is still a great tool. You have Microsoft Teams. IRC. You have...
1: <laughs> IRC, I'm going to keep saying it until IRC. you acknowledge it.
0: You have, uh,
1: you bear, I mean, it's Twitter. You could communicate on Twitter. No, no, you could use
0: Facebook I mean, there's all these different communication tools out there. I'm sure you could use Skype. You could, you could use any of these groups and just group people together. Um, and there's so many different tools. And I think every company has its own way of communicating out there. And it just kind of depends what you're looking for. And I think at work, I'm going to use something such as our Slack or teams now, and then, for this open source hackathon, which I think of different type of project management, I'm going to use something, the easiest thing that anyone can get onto. That's kind of my goal. And anyone can get on GitHub, anyone can get on Discord, and anyone um, can contribute to those things for communication really easy without having to jump around. And then I'm going to put in the entire production pipeline into Mobile Center, which is kind of nice because it's all free, all this free stuff, right? It's great just to drag and drop these organizations into So it's kind of my plan. I don't know.
1: I I, I love your plan. It sounds fantastic. But you know, in this case, it's just going to be a bunch of people yelling at each other, right? I'm not going to type into a little window when I can (laughs) just turn over and scream at someone. That's true. That's (laughs) true. It's a little little more efficient. Maybe this is why I don't work in an office, or maybe I'm not allowed to work in an office. We'll see which
0: one. Yeah, we'll see. I'm excited because I haven't done a lot of hackathons myself, and nor have I organized a lot of hackathons. Um, So we'll see how it goes. I don't really know. But uh, those yeah, are the tools. Those are the tools that I use. I mean, I could go on to all the different other sorts of project management that are out there. So you could talk about code reviews. You could talk about pull requests. Mm. You could talk about continuous mm. integration. Like you know, mm. you could talk about um, um, the well, reviewers
1: drawing icons. Drawing icons. <laughs>
0: I-, I mean, you could this whole entire entirety of, of planning could go further and then the release part of it right what, what is the marketing plan around that what is the that all goes into the plan i guess in general but i think the most important thing to me comes back to the freaking kanban board i'm, I'm serious for some reason the stupid kanban board is still the most important thing
1: uh, it's just uh just a reminder to everyone in case you haven't bought into lists and all this maybe you're a young developer and you can keep everything in your head don't do that it just wears on you and you inevitably forget something I find so much peace of mind by having everything written down, even if I get super granular and it becomes, you know, 10,000 items to finish a stupid hot dog or not app. It's just good to have them all written down and you can always push them off into later versions so that they're not cluttering you or, you know, depressing you or anything like that. But write it down if you if you have a thought if you have a feature idea if you have a bug idea i just write everything down and then kick it off into other kanban columns as you would say
0: yeah i keep a a a whole stack of post-it notes right by me and a pen so every time i have an idea i jot it down and then put it on my board (laughs) such a hipster yeah i know
1: i heard paper is dead (laughs) I heard that Ghostbusters in like 1980, so I'm, I still believe it. I mean,
0: I did work at Canon for uh, four years where our, oh, motto, our, motto was, our motto was print more things. Or, and I don't know what our motto was, but <laughs> I think it was...
1: Is that Thunder Myth one?
0: <laughs> sell more paper? I don't know. It was something like that. If you sell more paper, then I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I actually do use paper lists, not paper Kanban boards. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> yeah, okay, got it. Yeah.
0: And, and I will agree with you. I think that... That's a good just life planning recommendation for me. I've always joked, but it's very serious. If it's not in my calendar, I have no idea when anything's going to happen.
1: And when the calendar lies, you get
0: very upset.
1: Yes. Bad calendar. I need to do a better job. Yes.
0: In fact, this podcast wouldn't happen if I didn't update... (laughs) <laughs> correctly because we were supposed to record on monday and you literally uh, the calendar event came up and you're like hey are we re- recording and i go nope i didn't move the calendar <laughs> event you know um i so. am a
1: slave to my lists my list said you're recording now and so i tried to record now yeah.
0: so did we cover at all project management at all i'm not a project manager that's not what i guess i, I guess i do but do we cover <sighs> it at, at all i have no idea
1: well there's three p's project program and product and I don't know how to distinguish between any of those. I feel like, from my perspective, though, we did cover it. Okay. You just make lists of things and move on. I think all the complications happen when you're working in a team. Yeah. to be honest, it, I think <laughs> it does get
0: harder. And, well, and, and don't don't let project management get of your get in your way of crushing code. Because, like we said earlier, you can completely overdo everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And your developers <laughs> and people at a hackathon, or you as a solo developer. What you really want to do is just crush some code. I mean, let's be
1: honest. I want to write an app. If that takes code, then it takes code. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll, I'll go higher level. Yeah,
0: exactly. All right. Well, anything else you want to talk about, Frank?
1: Oh, this felt sufficient for now. I hope we'll get some feedback. And there's a few little subtopics in here we can always get back to. But let us know how we did or we just completely lunatics and we've been <laughs> had, had it too easy in this mobile world. Probably
0: those mobile those mobile developers have it way too easy is, is what I've heard. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, cool. I will follow it up with that. You can follow us each and every week at MergeConflict.fm. That is your one-stop destination for all things Merge Conflict. You can subscribe uh, to Merge Conflict on any of your favorite podcast applications. If you're using Overcast, it'd be great if you could star and share this with your other followers inside of Overcast, which is a lovely application. Uh, Or if you're using Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a review. We would be delighted. We read all of those. We really do. We take them to heart, and we love your feedback in the show. And you can give us feedback other ways, such as going to MergeConflict.fm fm hitting that contact button or just tweeting at us at merge conflict fm or me at james montemagno at Proclarum for frank we are everywhere on the internet that you could possibly be and we thank you for tuning in yet again for episode 65 oh my goodness frank 65 oh Woo. we're doing it until next <sighs> week frank Somehow. you know what my name is james montemagno
1: and i'm frank krueger
0: thanks for listening